Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Market View on Money FM 89.3. That's right, you're listening to Money FM 89.3. Time now for Market View, where we take a look at how the Singapore stock market is likely to close for the day, the biggest movers, sectors and companies to watch. But as always, a quick recap of how we started, right? Singapore shares fell at the open today after mixed performance in global markets. In early trade, the STI was down 0.3% at 3,148 points after some 56 million security Change tans in the broader market. Now, closing numbers are still firming up as always, but here is what I have on my screen. The STI currently down 0.53%, and we are looking at 3,140 points. In terms of value turnover, that's $1.61 billion. Now, gainers tripped losers 247 versus 352. Top five movers by value, we've got here OCBC, DBS, UOB, Ctrim and Singtel. Heavily traded securities included Ctrim, Gunting Singapore and Geo Energy Resources. In terms of companies to watch, we do have OCBC. The lender's net profit for Q4 ended December rose 12% to $1.62 billion, and that is from $1.44 billion a year prior to that. Now, elsewhere from China's thrifty shoppers, creating new stock winners and losers to a look ahead uh, to more Fed officials' comments and key indicators, economic indicators, that is, out of the U.S., we've got more international headlines and focus. And also on deck, Apple's move to give up on billions in potential revenue by uh, abandoning plans for a self-driving car. Lots to watch today and joining me on the line is David Poe, Head of Investment and ESG Strategies South Asia at Amandi. David, welcome. Hi. Hey, great to have you on board, David. And let's start with the Singapore stock market as usual. How did the STI fare today? Any surprises when it comes to biggest movers? Because we've got a number of property-related firms, CDL, Kaplan Investment, Propnex, all reporting their earnings. How far did the sector perform within expectations? Well, uh, it's a mixed bag. If you look at the earnings numbers, the property developers definitely reported uh, below uh, market expectation. And that's why you see the price of the share prices uh, went down slightly uh, today. On the other hand, the three banks uh, reported mixed results. Uh, they reported very uh, record profits uh, on on their bonus shares and their dividend they continue to pay out. So there was a mixed bag in terms of the earnings for the, for the uh, banks. Right. And yeah. since you talked about banks, uh, David, I do want to zoom in on the banking sector in particular because OCBC reported earnings. Net profit for Q4 and December was up 12% on the year to $1.62 billion. Um, what is the outlook ahead for the trail of local banks given the likely trajectory of Fed rate cuts this year? Uh, okay, for Amundi, we expected uh, about four rate cuts uh, this year, but not in March, uh, probably starting in May. So from now to the first half of uh, 2024, we still see the net interest margin as well as net interest income to continue to stabilize at this level or maybe even rise. Uh, on the other hand, uh, because of the high interest rate environment, you can see that the loans uh, loans growth may be, may be challenged in the sense uh, there will be less consumers taking on uh, lending to buy, uh, to purchase properties or because of the higher interest rate. 
hmm. consumption uh, may slow down and credit card spending may slow down because of the uncertainty in the macroeconomic environment. Likewise, for non-interest income, when we look at the wealth management uh, part of this uh, business, Hmm. The high interest rate environment has led to a lot of uh, consumers are keeping more cash into deposits hmm. and let more less people are converting their cash into uh, products, which means to say there's less income on the non-income part for the banks. So right. the, the challenges in the first half may be tight, but if you see interest rates starts to drop in the second half as we expect, Hmm. We will see a turnaround in this volume, and therefore there may be turnaround in the uh, in the operating fundamentals of the banks. So right. we are pretty positive in that sense. Hmm, okay. And uh, David, appreciate if you could take a look at the agricultural and commodities sector. Shares of mainboard listed Olam Group climbed as much as 10% today after it posted 15.4% rise in net profit for second half ended December. But if we look at Golden Agri Resources, seems like a very different picture there. Net profit for second half ended December as well, down 96.1% year-on-year. So when we look at the sector as a whole, what is the overall outlook in the longer term then? Okay, uh, it's a very good question because the agricultural uh, sector as a whole depends on two things. Right? One is supply and demand. Um, on the demand side, because uh, a lot of this, what you just mentioned, uh, a lot of these are palm oil-related uh, uh, companies. And they have a lot of, uh, they face a lot of uh, import uh, restrictions, especially in Europe and the US. And therefore, that's create a lot of uh, uh, demand uh, issues on that aspect. Mm. Uh, the other part is uh, this biodiversity thing that where the, all the uh, uh, climate action companies out there are forcing this uh, agricultural sector to behave uh, in a more responsible manner. So that, that eats up into the cost. Hence, the, the margins, if the demand were to slow down and, and cost goes up, that's going to cause a lot of margin pressure for this uh, agricultural sector. Mm, On top okay. of this, uh, you yeah. have the cost. The other cost of production yep. is uh, fertilizer. Fertilizer prices have stabilized, but it has come from a very, uh, high base as well. Uh, this is due to the uh, invasion of uh, Russia and Ukraine uh, two years ago. Yeah. And it has remained as, uh, elevated at this moment. So the cost of production has, has is going to hit into the margins if you go uh, looking forward. Hmm. If you're just tuning in, we're now in conversation with David Poe, Head of Investment and ESG Strategies at South Asia, Amandi. And across the region, David, China's price-conscious shoppers, they are trading down amid a fragile economic recovery. I recall sometime last year we were saying that uh, if you want to invest in China, you can invest in European luxury goods as an indirect way of doing so, but it appears to be no longer the case. Um, the frugality, if you will, has brought a bump at earnings and share prices for the likes of fast food chain Yum China Holdings, Uniqlo, whereas brands like Starbucks and your Laurel are facing headwinds. How would you then read into this and who will be the stock winners and losers as a result of this shift in consumer behaviour in China? Yeah, well, last year when we spoke about this, we, we, we thought of uh, because of China, uh, the wealth effect has somehow slowed down. Consumer confidence have definitely been eroded, especially uh, since the COVID uh, reopening did not yeah. really uh, led to a lot of consumption. And uh, the continued uh, slump in the property prices led to a lot of wealth erosion. 
in any other economies, when there's uh, when the economy faces some um, headwinds, everyone, every consumer will tend to tighten their belts. So they will definitely trade down. Uh, especially in China, if you look at uh, cognac versus Maotai, right? They'd yeah. rather go to buy a local uh, brewery. The other home appliances, same thing. They'd rather buy uh, cheaper uh, homemade uh, products. Similarly, for travel, you see a lot of uh, Chinese are now spending Chinese New Year, the Golden Week, uh, traveling within China mm-hmm. rather than traveling outside. So it's a, it's a sign of um, uh, market uh, uncertainty. Everyone is trying to trade down and mm-hmm. money is tight. Uh, cash flow is tight. So everybody is really consuming. So on your question about trying to play an indirect way, instead of playing a direct way into China, I think it still can continue to play out because not everything that these indirect uh, manufacturer derive uh, 100% of their earnings from China. You have a more diversified um, revenue coming out from the other parts of the world. So there is an indirect way and a better way to play uh, on the China growth. In the event that China confidence uh, do rebound and the wealth effects do come up again, then you'll see that this uh, indirect play on China consumer will, will perform much better than the others. And and on your specific uh, companies yes. that you just mentioned, yes. we, we have to look at each company on its own merits. So it's yeah. uh, pros and cons. And its own, uh, everyone has its own idiosyncrasies. One has to really study the fundamentals of each company to mm-hmm. look at how the operating environment is like, whether they, there's the competitive environment is changing. Mm-hmm whether there's a gain in market share or loss in market mm. share, whether they are really controlling their yeah. costs effectively. Right. So all these are very important when you look at the analysis and before you start investing in these companies. Mm. Um, David, I've got three minutes to go, but I really want to uh, get to the last question on Apple. But before that, very quickly, in the US, David, investors looking out for comments from uh, three Fed officials due later in the day. We've got US Q4 GDP numbers out tonight, the second estimates, that is. What are you expecting on this front? Well, we expect the inflation to continue to remain subdued and, and uh, GDP growth will continue to, to be stronger. Look at the recent data that comes up from the consumer numbers is still very strong. So, and we are hoping for a soft landing uh, and not a hard landing in, in the next few months. Right. And before we let you go, David, Apple, it is giving up on billions in potential revenue and abandoning plans for a self-driving car. Now, it is said that it is directing efforts to generative AI and mixed reality headsets. How far are we seeing tech titans redirecting their resources to gen AI and mixed reality? And really, what does it mean for the tech industry as a whole? Uh, if you look at these two sectors, they're totally two different uh, animals, right? Yeah. And every company has got limited resources. Everyone has limited resources. So uh, money spent carefully on certain trend and they can catch on, I think it will benefit the company. But if the company to spend uh, that, that scarce resource onto something that's not going to turn out to be fruitful, then it's a wasted resource and the, the company should be punished in a sense. Uh, on this generative AI, it is definitely a mm. very strong trend. We have yeah. seen uh, chips are going into PCs, into laptops, into mobile phones. It is something really real. It mm. is not like the 2000 dot-com bubble where yeah. we, yeah, we all remember that, right? That yeah. you, every eyeball you get, you get paid, you know. So that is a bit uh, ridiculous. But in today's environment, mm. 
we do see this manufacturing chips right. going into into real application mm. where people are using it. For right. example, the ChatGPT. Mm. So it is something very real, and there's something earnings and the growth is there. So mm. it's definitely something that will catch on and a lot of uh, mm. multiply effect on different sectors that will come through from this. Right. Uh, thanks a lot, David. That was David Poe, Head of Investment and ESG Strategies, South Asia at Amandi. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.